Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The human zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. It's time to attend you and I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on the day that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex will deign to tell us the name of their first-born child. The big question is, will they throw us a fake name and then tell us the truth later? That's the way they've done everything else so far. I wouldn't be at all surprised if they produce a baby that isn't even the real one, uh, just so that they can keep him out of the limelight. Meanwhile, back in the land of Brexit, there is yet another deadline being set for Prime Minister Theresa May, this time for her to leave Downing Street. And it has now been confirmed, rather unsurprisingly, that the European elections are indeed taking place on May the 23rd, which everyone already knew. They're actually campaigning and have been campaigning for the last couple of weeks. What exactly uh, are the government up to and when are they going to confirm that we are actually leaving the European Union, which is what that referendum was all about back in 2016. Do you remember? 0344 499 We've got Prime Minister's questions coming up. Ross Kempster will be joining us, of course, for that, as per usual. Also, coming up first, I'm sorry to report that we will be bringing you news that the MPs who run this country so badly have actually learned their lesson. After the expenses debacle of a decade ago, it turns out that hundreds of them have had their official expenses credit cards suspended. Let's just say that again. They have overspent on their official credit cards, paid for by us, supplied by us, sanctioned by us. I don't remember being asked about that, and I certainly wouldn't have said it was a good idea. Jeremy Corbyn has had his suspended twice. Boris Johnson has had his suspended once. Last year, the expenses bill for all of these people, collectively, was £117.4 million. And they're not even doing their jobs properly. 0344 499 1000. Coming up a bit later on, we'll be finding out why we're all having less sex and why tourists are now in the front line of the battle against plastic pollution, particularly in the rich people's paradise of Capri. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, many of you, of course, will have been uh, completely and utterly buried in the publicity surrounding the birth of the new royal baby. And today we may find out what the new royal baby baby's name is likely to be uh, and we may even get a first glimpse at him which will all be lovely of course but we'll also have Prime Minister's questions we will also have yet another late afternoon meeting between the 1922 committee and the Prime Minister at which point they'll try to get her to agree to a timetable to leave 
why can't we get a timetable to leave the European Union, which is what, in fact, we voted for? But before we get to any of that, let's talk about something far more irritating, because you will all remember um, the moats and the ridiculous expenses, the second homes, the widescreen TVs, um, the porn magazines and the porn films that people were claiming for on their expenses. That was all put into the past, into the dustbin of history, after the Daily Telegraph exposed how much money and how ridiculous the MPs' expenses system was in the Houses of Parliament. They then changed the system... Uh, but however, it would appear, thanks to a report that's just come out today, uh, that things are not going as well as perhaps they should have been. Let's talk to Sir Alistair Graham, who's the former chair of the Committee of Standards in Public Life, a very fine, upstanding member of our supposed uh, lawmaking community, uh, who must be appalled by this. Sir Alistair, very good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Now, it comes as a bit of a surprise to me, this. I don't know whether I wasn't paying attention, but I really didn't know that as a way of trying to improve the expenses system, that uh, that Parliament actually issued official credit cards to individual MPs. Yes, well, you can understand how it arose as an improvement because previously MPs had to pay money for legitimate expenses out of their own pocket and then reclaim it at some later stage. Yes. And therefore the credit cards were issued to avoid that situation arising. But it turns out that uh, they've abused that privilege. Yes. Uh, 377 of them. Uh, and Which is more uh, than half, we should say, isn't it? misclaimed or haven't repaid items previously they shouldn't have claimed. Um, and therefore the system has come in disrepute. And what is particularly shocking is that IPSA work so hard to try and avoid this information coming out. Well, that's unfortunate for me as well, because surely one of the things we learned about the expenses scandal was that that transparency is very important in a modern democracy. People know much more now than they used to know. They have access to much more information on the internet. They can Google all kinds of things. The idea that that IPSA tried to keep this secret, I think, is, is, is even more galling than the actual story itself. Yes, well, they said it would have a chilling effect on their relationship with MPs, but they clearly didn't take into account the chilling effect it would have on the public. Well, exactly. And, I mean, to be honest, I understand where you're coming from, where you say, look, they had to try and change the system and they had to try and make it a bit more accountable and, and they had to get a grip of it. But I can't imagine in any company I've ever worked for, and mostly I've been in the media all my life, where you've overspent on your expenses and they've thrown out some of your expenses and said, I'm sorry, well, you can't allow, you're not being allowed to claim that. But here's a credit card on the company that you can use instead. Well, it, it, well, I, as I say, I've explained how I think it came about, uh, but it is truly shocking. For example, how the uh, Amber Rudd, who was uh, pension secretary and benefit secretary yeah. for a period, does she think about how this would have been handled if it had been somebody overclaiming Social Security benefits? Well, exactly. I mean, we've got lots of instances here, which I will read a couple of them out to you. Energy Minister Claire Perry, who attends the Cabinet, admitted wrongly using her parliamentary credit card to pay for her Amazon Prime subscription. Uh, DUP MP Ian Paisley ran up debts of £1,193 and had his credit card suspended while repaying it. I mean, do you think that they were offered or given any set of guidelines and rules when they were given I'm, these, these I'm cards. sure they were, and I'm sure they knew what they... Which is why I've described it as slovenly, incompetent behaviour. Mm. Uh, and uh, it just shows the double standards that can apply 
between ordinary members of the public and members of parliament. Yes, absolutely and, uh, right. And of they course, they should be deeply ashamed of themselves. They should be, but once again, we have a system which appears not to work terribly well. You know, 377 MPs, that's more than half of them, have run into trouble using these cards. So maybe it's time for them to think again, isn't it? Well, I'm sure it is. And IPSA, uh, who are going to be clearly embarrassed by the whole situation, will have to think of a reform and uh, of new arrangements that safeguard public money. Mm. Because one of the things that you can still do, of course, is you can look up, um, not so much in as, as, as great detail as you used to be able to, but you can look up overall um, large amounts of money being spent. And to be fair to MPs, which, which I like to think I am, even though I'm very critical of them, a lot of the expenses are office expenses, are they not? Yes. So they're paying, so they are paying. So when we say £117 million a year, uh, much of that is actually in office expenses, hiring people to sit in their office and all of that. But it's also, it seems to me, a very free and easy way of claiming lots and lots of things that you wouldn't in the normal course of events be able to claim, for example, as an individual businessman or as an individual claiming against tax. You, there's very little you can now claim as an expense. Yes. Well, I mean, I think to be fair to Ipsa, they have tightened up uh, the regime and at least they were moving quickly to suspend people. Yeah. But given what's shocking is the scale of the abuse taking on 377 MPs. Yes. We've only got 650 or something. So, that's right. Well, that's what uh, I mean. It's more than half. So and if they can't... The scale of what's happened mm. does show that the present arrangements cannot continue. Well, I think it shows, uh, if you were going to be charitable, that the, the MPs have a very cavalier attitude to an expenses system, which they feel they can charge all sorts of things to until it gets chucked out. And, and, and in no commercial organisation is that now the case, because expenses are kept a very tight lid upon, and the days of, you know, Wall Street uh, craziness where people would go out and think nothing of spending 12 yeah. grand on dinner, and I know that because my sister used to do it, you know, even they don't allow that anymore. You know, merchant banks are not allowing expenses yeah. in the way that they were. So it's about time, I think, that they started to think about yeah, not sure. getting everything for nothing, because if you're an MP, it seems like you could charge everything. Your entire life gets charged to the public purse. Well, I think there are pretty strict rules in place about what they can claim and what they cannot claim. Uh, but uh, the the way that they've abused these, this credit card system is deeply worrying and should worry them because it just uh, trusts in politicians as a pretty all-time low. Yeah. Uh, but presumably, uh, from the Prime Minister downwards, they're trying to increase the amount of mm. trust. And, but when you um, get people like Amber Rudd, Boris Johnson, Jeremy Corbyn, senior figures in the Parliament, right? Yes. Two of them in the... Uh, well, one of them in the current Cabinet, I should say. One of them vying to be the next Prime Minister. The other one vying to be the next Prime Minister of the, of the current opposition. You, see, you, you say, well, if they're, if they're getting it wrong, then what sort of an example is that setting? Well, I can only agree with that. Yeah, well, what should we do, though, Sir Alistair? Because I think seem to remember when you were in charge, things were slightly well uh, better run. Parliament now seems to be like the Wild West. Nobody seems to do their job properly. Uh, they don't seem to represent the people who elected them. Um, they can't get a vote through on, on Brexit. I mean, you know, now we find out they can't even fill out their own expenses forms. Well, uh, I still think it's right to have an independent body governing the expenses for members of Parliament. And that may be part of the resentment of MPs that they're not in control because under the old arrangements they control their own expense system yes and that led to the major scandal that was uh, um, published 
10 years ago. Yes. Um, I just think it, there has to be greater discipline in these matters, mm. and it should be a disciplinary offence. Do you know what I would do? And I don't know whether you think this is a good idea, but I would give all MPs a fixed amount of money, which would be uh, 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 expenses and salary. They could do whatever they want with it. Now, say, for example, you said to them, here's £200,000, right? That includes your salary. If you need to spend more than 120000 of that on expenses, then you can, but then your salary has to be reduced. Do you know what I mean? And I think that well, might I be... Well, I don't think that system would work because if, if you were the Member of Parliament for, I don't know, the Shetland... Yeah, I knew you'd say that. Or, uh, you know, in North Scotland... You don't need as much money as Shetland, somebody though. who just lived round the corner... Uh, that would clearly be a monstrously unfair system. Well, then so, perhaps if they were colleagues in the same party, they could maybe channel some of the money elsewhere. I just think we need to find a better system. You know, for example, why would the member for Camberwell then not, um, you know, give a portion of his money to the member for Shetland? Yeah, but that See wouldn't work. Wouldn't, that wouldn't work. Well, this doesn't it? work either. very practical to me. I'm in favour of reform. OK. I'm in What's your of, idea I then? Mean, uh, there are plenty of changes that could be made. For example, I think it's wrong that MPs uh, employ their own family members yes. uh, in, in their offices. So there's plenty of scope for change. Mm. It just has to be brought about quickly mm. and properly disciplined. And who would be responsible for that? Is it IPSA or do the, do the MPs themselves have to kind of debate it? Well, the Speaker of the House of Commons has a, a sort of key committee mm. that controls a lot that happens in the House of Commons. Yeah. He could pay some attention to it, but uh, it's in everybody's interest, including the MPs, to reform the system. Yes. Well, how about this? Just as a, as a taster for some of the uh, tweets and things I'm getting in this one from Pete. I have a company credit card, he says, for legitimate company expenses. If I misuse it, it won't get authorised, and ultimately I could be sacked. Let's have the same for MPs. That's what we don't see, I'm afraid. No, well, it's very difficult to sack. Well, we've just seen an MP sacked um, because of a criminal charge. Uh, so that there are means these days, and that's a, a recent reform whereby we can recall... Yeah, but she was sacked by her own constituents rather than by the actual government and yeah, by the parliament, yeah, you know? Yeah, but, he, uh, but there is a discipline system in place, and uh, I think that should be used with a parliamentary commissioner referring it to the standards committee for individual MPs so yep. that they can personally discipline and have to apologise in front of the whole House of Commons. Yes. yes, well, I think something needs to be done. So, Alistair, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed for it. And let's hope we can find a way through uh, to a bit more fairness uh, in the world. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So Alistair Graham, their former chair of the Committee of Standards in Public Life. He doesn't think my idea would work. I think it would work brilliantly, right? Here's what you do. 200000 apiece. They're both. They're all spending a lot more than that at the moment because don't forget they're getting paid upwards of sixty-five, seventy thousand quid in a salary. So then they get another load of expenses on top of that, which can be as much as one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand quid if they're running if they're running a big office or two offices and all of that. And if they can't manage on two hundred thousand pounds a year expenses and salary, I'm sorry, then they should not be giving themselves forward 
as public servants. It's not about raking in the cash. If you want to be a public servant, you're supposed to have some kind of feeling for public service. You're supposed to want to help to public to help the public and to run the country in such a way uh, that it runs well. Not that it runs badly and you get to leave and become a millionaire. I'm sorry, that is not the plan. 0344 499 1000. I know loads of you will want to talk about this. Loads of you will get on. You can tweet us, of course, at Talk Radio. We will be coming up later on uh, with some news from the Royal Baby Front. Supposedly, they're going to tell us, or they're going to deign to give us some information on what the baby's name is going to be. We had some uh, tries at that yesterday. We're not going to do that again today. Uh, also, of course, we will be talking about Capri, a beautiful island uh, off the coast of uh, Naples. And uh, apparently, you're going to be banned from taking any one-time use plastics there. So don't go there with a plastic bag. Don't go there with a bottle of water, because they'll start fining you. It's ridiculous, isn't it? More gun talk from a water pistol from the farmer of fury. The independent republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. It's up on my heart when it skips a beat. Three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Loads of you want to talk to me this morning. You will get on. Don't worry. We're here until one o'clock when it's time for Matthew Wright. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Coming up in a moment, we're going to speak to Ben Clapworthy from the Times. He's a travel writer. Uh, he's a man who knows all about why uh, the very very beautiful and luxurious island of Capri, uh, just off the coast of uh, Naples, is going to be banning plastic, single use plastic. If you turn up there with a water bottle, uh, which is plastic, they will not like it. If you turn up with a plastic bag, they will not like it. They don't want you taking stuff on the beach. It's the first kind of way of anti-tourism uh, of, of manoeuvres, I would say, by places who are fed up with tourists leaving stuff behind that they really shouldn't leave behind. But before we do that, let me just quickly talk to Gerard, who's in crew. Hello, Gerard. Morning, Mike. How are you doing? Uh, that's Sir Alistair. When I was a civil servant, he was one of my bosses. Was he? He's a decent bloke. He's a good guy, decent yeah. Bloke. He's a genuinely decent Well, he's called Graham, you know. <laughs> well, I'll call him Sir Alistair. <laughs> right. If you wish. Uh Look, I was a public servant for 30-odd years, mm. and expenses were a thing you did not misuse. You were in serious trouble. I can remember being called in once because I got I rounded up a penny on my mileage, one penny piece, wow. and I was told off for it, and it was under no illusions mm. that you never did that. Now, your mileage was always checked, so you would make a habit of underclaiming yeah. rather than go through that experience. So if you did 15 miles, you'd, you'd claim 12 mm. rather than... So it, it, it was it was public money. Now, the difference is, it's a bit like Animal Farm. MPs forget that they're public servants, and in their eyes, some public servants are more equal than other public well, servants. Well, it's our money, effectively. It's like we're, it's like our previous caller said, if, if, if I want to pay for some MP's credit card, I should be able to see the bill. I think that's fair enough. You see, when I ran Cornelius earlier, uh, I actually said that myself. It should be out there in the open at the end of the year. I can go online and see what my good socialist MP, who, you know, she's a woman of the people, she says. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see what she's claiming. Mm, I think that would because be an excellent one, plan. Once they get in there, they just love to, well, help themselves, shall we say. Well, they do. Absolutely right. It needs to stop. Gerard, great call. Thank you very much indeed. You can do that too. Uh, join in. This is a show that's here uh, for you as much as it is for me. But let's talk to Ben Clapworthy now, travel writer at The Times, because a fascinating story from Capri uh, was in the paper yesterday talking about how they're going to fine people €500 Euros, uh, if you're spotted picnicking with non-recyclable plastic plates or cutlery. Even if you're carrying a non-biodegradable plastic bag, you could be fine. Ben, a very good morning to you. Welcome. 
Morning, Mike. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. Now, this I can sort of see the logic of, but I can also think to myself, well, hang on a minute. If I'm going to Capri, and I've only been there once in my life, uh, it's a very beautiful place. Part of the problem, they say, is people go there and don't spend any money. Well, there's a reason for that. It's because everything's so damn expensive when you go up to the top of the hill and you see all these designer shops and expensive restaurants. But if I'm carrying a plastic bag with a pair of flip-flops in it, technically, they're going to find me. Well, yes. I mean, yes, they are, basically. Uh, £500 for, uh, yes, as you say, carrying uh, non-recyclable bag. Mm. But also, uh, you say it's expensive. You don't want to eat in the restaurant and you can have a little picnic and you get out your paper plates uh, with the plastic paper plates, um, with the plastic on them, I mean, uh, you'll get fined for that as well, Five, €500 Euros for uh, what they consider misbehaviour. I mean, can you see this as something which is now going to spread across the world? Because one of the biggest problems we see all over the world, I think there was this, one of the Sky uh, reports recently, they found some island in the middle of the South Pacific, which they were washed up about 25,000 pairs of flip-flops. Yeah, I think there is a movement happening uh, against tourism. Over-tourism, over-tourism is becoming a buzzword. Uh, I was in Edinburgh last week, uh, it, where are we now, May, and it was packed, absolutely packed. Yeah. I got in a taxi, the taxi driver said to me, oh no, the season's just getting underway sort of from March onwards, but wait till, uh, I mean, the Edinburgh Festival in August is an exception, but mm. wait till July time and you can't even move. I thought, well, I can't move already. <laughs> well, London's um, like that. I mean, if you go to central London now, anywhere sort of like Trafalgar Square, Leicester Square, you know, the Strand, Covent Garden, Soho, I mean, you're literally, you literally, you will find that it's difficult to walk down the street without having to get into the road to get out of the way for people. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think more and more, I mean, Venice, they're going to start charging people to go into the historic centre. They've had a, it's going to be three euros, which will come into uh, effect in September. Mm. Uh, That's to pay for the damage caused by tourism. Their city is obviously very fragile. I was writing last year when they had Mm. the floods about about the problems that they've got from over-tourism. A lot of it is uh, UNESCO have decided uh, a lot of the problem is caused by massive cruise liners. We call cruise crush when they turn up and uh, you have 5,000 passengers descend in a tiny little uh, city and the waste they leave behind is horrendous and they don't contribute because they get back onto the boat to eat. They have all their meals on the boat and they don't contribute to society and there is, to the local communities and there is a backlash Mm. and more and more places are wondering, well, how are we going to manage this well i saw i'm pretty sure um, uh, one of these environmental programs not that long ago on the bbc from i think it was corsica where there was a guy on a boat who was patrolling the coastline and basically telling people to get off the beaches because they were now preserved areas and so i mean it's a very difficult one to kind of balance this isn't it because on the one hand most of these places require tourism to exist because if you're in capri the only reason you're making any money is from the tourists let's face it and similarly with corsica if you're going to tell people well you can't come here on your luxury yacht and you can't jump off the back of them, get on a jet ski and go to the island and, and, and sit there. You, people are just going to stop going. It is a very fine line, and it's very interesting that all of these are governmental or local government yeah. policies. They're not the shopkeeper. The shopkeeper with his shop at the, in Capri is more than happy if a cruise ship of passengers turn of up. Because if one person buys a handbag for €500, Euros, he's mm. happy days. Mm. Um, does he care? Is there, there is a movement... An environmental movement happening. There's no question about that. Um, but it is definitely the case that local people, lots of them, benefit from tourism, and they won't necessarily want these rules to be uh, 
these rules to be enforced. And it's also how, I mean, I would be very keen. I don't particularly want to lose £450, but I would be quite interested to take a Tesco carrier bag to Naples and walk, <laughs> uh, to Capri yeah. and walk around with it and see how long it I mean, what if it's a bag for life? Would you get away with that, do you think? Well, yes, exactly. I could tell them I've used it 50 times. So <laughs> I, I, also, I, I mean, mean, you can imagine there are people, and I'm not suggesting that I would be one of them, but I might, who would be slightly irritable if some, uh, you know, sort of uh, member of the Carabinieri came up to me and tried to hand me a, a, a penalty fine. I think I might say I'm not going to pay it, mate. What are you going to do about that? Are you going to arrest me? You know? Well, I do think that's an interesting point. It's interesting uh, that you say that because the uh, mayor of Rome says that she is trying to work with uh, ambassadors around the world to bar uh, misbehaving tourists from coming back to Rome. Now, I, I wonder, yes, they tell you you're going to be fined £500. You tell them to uh, do one and mm. then go away. Are they never going to let you back? I, I don't think so. But I do think, I mean, there is a good point here. We need to stop chucking plastic into the we ocean. Certainly, there's, there's, no, no, there's no question about that. But then, I mean, I, I think we're all much more, and I've said this during the whole Extinction Rebellion occupation of London, we're all far more responsible now than we ever were. I mean, I was never one to throw litter in the first place because it's a disgusting habit and a terrible thing to do. You know, mm -hmm. um, however, um, you know, the, the fact that they're going to now say you can't take a bottle of, of water, which happens to be made of plastic with you anywhere, um, is nonsense. Because what they should be doing is saying to the people that make the bottles of plastic water, plastic bottles of water, rather, uh, well, don't put them in plastic. Yes, you're entirely right. And the other thing I think as well is that there's a larger problem here, which is that actually tourist behaviour is what needs to change. You yeah. say you don't litter, that, nor do I. Lots of people do. I mm. mean, I saw people littering when I was in Edinburgh. I also saw people walking through a flower bed yeah. next to a, a war memorial right. uh, to take photos of it. And you think, A, there's hundreds of signs. Yeah. There shouldn't need to be hundreds of signs, but there are hundreds of signs. And why are you walking through a flower bed to exactly. take a photograph? Exactly. Um, now, in your paper yesterday, there was also a little piece about Holland and the Netherlands being a bit upset with too much tourism. So, I mean, I mean, I think the, the conclusion we come to here, Ben, is that the world's just got too many people in it now. It does. Um, I was at a travel conference uh, in Seville the other week, and I was listening to a uh, Chinese ambassador uh, talking, and he works with tourism, and he said... Only 10% of the Chinese population have passports, but yeah. that is growing at a rate of knots. He said, if you, if you think there's a lot of tourists coming from the east already, mm. you've seen nothing. Right. And it's the same everywhere, the, the, from Eastern Europe to uh, Britain to America. The more Americans are traveling, more Europeans are traveling. As the middle class gets bigger around the world, mm. more people are starting to travel. And these places are going to get see more and more uh, people. I saw an estimate somewhere that even if, even if uh, they stopped promoting tourism in Holland, by 2030, they would have 29 million foreign visitors a wow. year. At the moment, it's 19. I mean, yeah. that's astronomical growth. It is extraordinary, isn't it? Fascinating stuff, though. We should be watching it closely. Ben, thank you very much indeed uh, for your time. Ben Clapworthy there, travel writer at The Times. Extraordinary. What do you do? You can't stop people from being tourists. You can't stop people from travelling. People want to go places, but they just have to be more and better behaved, surely. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. We've got some urgently breaking news for you. You'll be glad to know uh, that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, not Wessex, uh, have appeared today uh, and have decided to uh, give us peasants uh, an insight into exactly what they have been doing. And uh, I'm very, very happy and delighted to say to you now that we can hear, for the first time since the royal birth, we can actually hear Meghan and Harry right here, right now. Meghan, can you tell us what it's like becoming a new mum and tell us a little bit about... Baby Sussex as we're calling it. <laughs> um, it's magic. It's pretty amazing. And I mean, I have the two best guys in the world, so I'm really happy. Tell us a little bit about um, your son. What's, what's he like? Is he, is he sleeping well, good baby? Yes, he has the sweetest temperament. He's really calm and... Um, uh, he gets that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's, been, he's just been the dream. So it's been a special couple days. Who does he take after? Does he look like anyone? We're still trying to figure that out. Everyone says that babies change so much over two weeks. We're basically sort of monitoring how the, uh, how the changing process happens over this next month, really. <laughs> but he's cha- his looks are changing every single day. Yeah, so true. who knows? And how do you find parenting generally? What's it? Is it still a special moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. I mean, parenting is amazing. It's, it's only been, what, two and a half days, three days? Yeah. Um, but... We're just, we're just so thrilled to have, have our own little bundle of joy um, and be able to spend some precious times with him as he slowly, slowly starts to grow up. <laughs> and uh, I hear you're going to off to see two special people in a minute. Yes. Um, the Queen and, and the Duke. Yes, and we just bumped into the Duke as we were walking by, which was mm. so nice. So um, it'll be a nice moment to introduce the baby to more family and my mom's with us as well. So it's, uh, it's been a really... Here we go. Another, <laughs> another great grandchild. Yes. <laughs> Can we have a little peek at him? We just can't quite see his face. Wow. He's already got a little bit of facial hair as well. <laughs> Wonderful. Just in the family. Guys, thank you. Thank very, you all very so much. much. Thanks for your time. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks a lot. And thank you, everybody, for all the well wishes and the kindness. Mm. It's, it just means so much. Uh, Prince Harry and Meghan, they're talking for the first time since the birth of their child together. Uh, Rachel Jewell is here. Rachel, well. Hi, Mike. Yes. Any tears in your eyes? Oh, beautiful statement. Mm. So 
let's paint the picture for, yes. our, for our listeners. That was in St George's Hall, very grand surroundings there, yes. Windsor Castle. Very nice. And uh, for those that are interested, Meghan is dressed in a white uh, white frock, a white dress. Sleeveless. Sleeveless. Yeah. Harry is the one carrying their son. He's in a nice, sharp grey suit. Mm. Absolutely beaming. I know they, you they say do that, look very happy, I must say. say that about new mums, but she, she is absolutely glowing. Not quite, you know, when you know, Kate got a lot of flack didn't she when she came out with all her hair done yeah which was I think a bit unfair to be honest because yeah. you can't on the one hand expect them to be on public display and then not prepare to be on public display do you know what I mean so I mean she's clearly got makeup there but her yeah. hair, you know hair, hair, hair's, hair's down loose but yeah some absolutely lovely shots there there's a close-up um, of the baby it's we can't really see much it's just sort of swaddled in a, Looks a like white, a baby yeah, a white wearing a white blanket, sort of cap. a little white cap mm. the big Thing that we're all waiting for. No name. No. Well, no they're not stupid, are they? I mean, that'll, that be, that'll be another statement, presumably. Uh, or maybe it'll be an Instagram post. I mean, presumably the first actual picture of the that's baby's true. face that's will true. be out Get there on Instagram. Instagram. So up. I don't know whether that's gone out yet. I, I haven't seen it reported, but uh, so we don't very, know. So it's a very, very short... We know this whole uh, pregnancy birth has been very stage-managed yes. by this couple. They've stated right from the start they wanted some privacy. So they're very... They are controlling this. Apparently, this statement... There was uh, a very small press pool, one reporter, one photographer, three cameramen, as well as the couple's own private photographer and a household press office photographer. So very small, yeah. not the kind of big open public one that we usually see right. outside the Well, not the Lindo Wing coming yeah, out of the actual hospital, the yeah. But, you know, still, you know, very heartfelt. Yes. Listen, I mean, all I'm asking for and all I've continually asked for, and it's not up to me, of course, is just that they, in, in, you know, sort of engage with the public because part of their job is to engage with the public. And I understand that they want to be a little bit less kind of out there as, 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 as much as Prince, uh, Prince William and Kate were. But they still have to do it. It's part of their job. Yeah. Well, you know? this, this is a good way of doing it. You know, it's one what we call a sort of pool interview. That means all the broadcasters now can show it at the same time as as we're doing now so yeah. everyone's going to get their chance to see it and it's sort of less invasive for yes them, exactly right people are already picking up on the words kenny's tweeted saying two and a half to three days they said so that means the baby was born on sunday morning well oh, i mean we may never know we're told monday theories. morning but let's have a listen to ian blackford the head of the snp in westminster the scottish nationalist party uh, just wishing them well Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I also congratulate the Duke and Duchess of Wessex and wish everyone that's had a part of a... You've got a complete plank. You've got it completely wrong. It's the Sussex. You idiot. Anyway, uh, Rupert Bell's going to come up later on. Rachel, thank you very much indeed. Uh, we're still waiting for the name. We haven't heard it yet. This is Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Coming up very shortly, it's going to be the latest edition of Prime Minister's Questions, which may be anywhere near as exciting as what we're about to talk about, because uh, the front page uh, of the uh, Sun says, Nookie slump for young Brits. No sex, please. We're all on Netflix. Apparently fewer than half of those aged 16 to 44 uh, have sex at least once a week. 
a new study has found. And now we're going to speak to an expert in all of these matters, not just about sex, but about relationships. She is uh, Angela Mutanda, a relationship therapist and host of Channel 4 Sex Tape. Angela, very good morning to you. Morning, how are you? I'm all right. What is going on? I mean, people are watching Netflix instead of uh, making love with each other. I love the way Netflix is given as a cause. It's <laughs> clearly a symptom rather than a cause. Yes. I think young people have got so much on their plates, haven't they? They're trying to, you know, hold a job down. They're trying to afford to buy a house. They're trying to keep a relationship together. And they're trying to relax. And it's too much at once. And if you look at the statistics, you know, that, that's like sex drive, if you like, has dropped between, what, 2001 to 2012 they've looked at. Mm. That's the time in which Twitter and Facebook and all those social media platforms have grown. So something is going on that, that, you know, we're not communicating directly with each other, we're communicating indirectly. Mm. And that's kind of where I start to look and wonder about relationships. Yes. I mean, do you wonder as well whether there's fewer relationships? Because it might be that more people are not actually with someone. And everyone knows that until you get to a point where you've been with each other for so long, you're just bored with each other, that you have more sex if you're in a relationship than if you're not. It's true, and actually Relate did a really interesting piece of research where they found that 16 to 25-year-olds are amongst the loneliest. So they're finding it hard to connect with someone else. And exactly as you say, you know, getting into a relationship feels harder and harder than it used to be. And I think there are low levels of trust. Mm. I think there's also this kind of novelty-seeking. You can swipe right. You know, the grass is always greener thing. Yeah. So actually getting into a relationship where you are committed and you form stronger bonds is proving more and more difficult as the goodies on social media go through the roof. And also there's this Instagram kind of effect, isn't there, where people, we hear stories all the time where people start going on holiday uh, to places because they want to have a place that looks good on their Instagram account. You know, they want to go and take a great picture of somewhere or other, so they go there for that. I wonder if that's having an effect on relationships as well and that, you know, if you're not having some glamorous, you know, gorgeous, beautiful, fantastic relationship, you you can't take pictures of it, so you're not doing it. I think that's right. And I think if you've grown up in that kind of atmosphere where what you put out in the world, that, that sort of superficial picture is everything. You know, you've got, you're, you're getting a generation who are growing up going, I feel so much more, but I don't feel as if I have the permission to, to speak about it, to share how lonely I feel, how anxious I feel. And I think that's really difficult. And I think that's something that I certainly saw when we were making um, sex tape. That, you know, people, there's one sort of outward image and then there's really what's going on. And what people really, really want, wherever they are, is to connect truthfully and deeply with Mm. another human being and to feel wanted. And that can come in all shapes and sizes. I think you're absolutely right. And it goes all the way from a relationship to your workplace, doesn't it? Because you want to feel wanted at work. You want to feel wanted in your family. You want to feel wanted in your relationship. Tell us a bit about sex, because I've not seen it. I'm terribly sorry to admit to you, Angela. I'm sorry, what? I know. I haven't seen it. Well, I don't know when it's... Tell me when it's on. Tell me when I can watch it. Okay. Well, you can watch the first two episodes on Catch Up immediately after the show ends. Thank you very much. (laughs) It goes out on Friday nights. 10 o'clock on Channel 4. Right, okay. And it is a groundbreaking social experiment. So I basically have three couples that I work with Mm. and they've been given a period of time, a week, with cameras in their home and to film, you know, everything, every aspect of their relationships 
from, you know, what goes on in the bedroom, arguments, makeups, breakups, all that sort of stuff. And then they come together with two other couples to discuss it with me. So it's and like reality TV on crystal meth, by the time. <laughs> Actually, what's so brilliant about it is, is people watching themselves. Yeah. And they can comment on what wow. they're seeing. And it's actually... Sounds terrifying. It's not. It's it's really empowering because they sort of go, yeah, I can't pretend I don't do that. And that's not very nice. And the other couples can also step in mm. and, and give feedback. And what is really fantastic is they're doing it face to face. They're not doing saying something about somebody else behind their back. Right. So they really have to think openly and honestly about what they want to say. And they also know that their sex tape is next to be watched. So it's really thoughtful what people have to say. And they actually have formed supports with each other. It's become like a little community. So I, I think it's a fantastic show. Please, please watch it. I'd love to get your feedback. Yes, no, I will definitely watch it because it sounds fascinating. But it must be a little bit cringy at times as well. No? I mean, which, is, <laughs> which is why reality TV works, of course, right? All right. It depends where you are on that continuum. Some people find it cringeworthy, but they want to watch it anyway. Oh, I'm not saying you wouldn't watch it because it's cringy. You watch <laughs> it because it is cringy. Yeah, but because you learn things about mm. yourself as well. Mm. So people at home on the safety of their couch are going, actually, you know what? I do that. I do things like that. Or my partner does things like that. And, you know, we need to have a little conversation. So I think any, any television that looks at sex in the context of relationships is incredibly healthy because we've also got this growing concern about a lot of people engaging in watching pornography for instance and having this really idealized vision of what a relationship is and if they don't match up it affects their sex lives it affects their relationships so when you actually look at real people being open and honest and discussing real relationships you know warts and all in the context of you know this is how we got together this is what's yeah this is healthy stuff this is good it is but i'll tell you what there's also a compounding study running side by side with this one that says that health health conscious brits are drinking less i wonder if that's got something to do with them having less sex as well trying to say you can only have sex i'm not saying that that's wrong. not what i said don't put words <laughs> in my mouth <laughs> do you know i think younger people are more informed more mm. health conscious much more serious because i work with a lot of young people as not, well not the ones i work with oh really no they're <laughs> not at all well informed and they're not at all healthy to be honest <laughs> oh really okay well I, the, the young people i come across are just they just want to take care of themselves and i think there's so much more information around yeah so maybe some young people are just going you know what i need to take care of my health because mm. you know i'm going to live a long time and I, w I want to do it well i want to be balanced i think that's to be celebrated anyway yeah yeah but they should have more sex because according to the nhs it's more healthy if you have more sex it is but i think the step before that is to think about intimacy you know just giving somebody a hug is also good for your mental yes. health and good for your physical health yeah holding hands i think these things go out the, out the window quite quickly when we've got over that romantic mm. stage yeah There's another re piece of research that, that showed that people touch their phones more than they touch each other in an intimate Shocking relationship that, isn't it terrible a bit worrying a bit yeah, worrying. Very so worrying it's just like if you can introduce touching hugging you know just giving your partner a kiss yeah is just the first steps to intimacy that is the building blocks to 
for getting intimacy back into the bedroom. Marvellous. Thank you very much indeed. I'll look out for the show on Friday. Angela, we'll talk again. Angela Mutanda, a relationship therapist, host of Channel 4 Sex Tape. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's on Fridays, 10 o'clock. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.